Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. All over this room, I want you to raise your hands to heaven and worship. Cindy, I want you to lead us in that course one more time. Would you make this your prayer right now? from God's word today yes amen 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 thank you you can be seated last week I posed this question to you is it possible that we as Christians see ourselves one way but the world views us as something else that was the question that I asked and and, and in Matthew chapter 16 Jesus asked his disciples th- these words he said but who do you say that I am listen, who do you say that I am? Other people are saying this, but who do you say that I am? Our lives and our actions send a message to the world. Our lives tell the world who Jesus is. The world is judging us by our fruit. Whether you like it or not, they're judging us by our fruit. And it's time that we say less and we do more. And there's two things that I told you that changed when I gave my life to Christ. And I think that this has to change in every believer. And if it hasn't changed with you, it's time for it to change. First of all, my character changed. My character is what's happening on the inside of me. And that had to change. It could not be the same when I gave my heart to Christ. That had to change. And the second thing that changed was my conduct. My character had to change what's happening on the inside and my conduct. My conduct is what I am displaying for the world around me to see. It's my witness is what it is. And so those two things have to change whenever we give our hearts to Christ. But it has to be a conscious effort. You, you just, it's, it's just not going to happen. You have to make a decision to make those things happen. You know, we're a pretty casual church. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we sit on blue fold-up chairs. We're a pretty casual church, right? And, and it's no secret that we, we dress a little bit more casual than most churches do. Um, that one, one guest stopped me, I don't know, about a year ago probably, and they, they, they pulled me aside after service. And they said, we are just so happy that you tuck your shirt in and wear a coat. <laughs> and I thought to myself, boy... If you would have been here last week, I think my shirt tail was out and I didn't wear a coat, you know, because we're, we're pretty fluid with that. And so we are pretty casual. But the one thing that I do enjoy is I love a good sports coat. I do. I love a good sports coat. This is a good looking sports coat, wouldn't you say? Go ahead and tell me how good I look right now. Say it. I look good. I know it. I know it. I like to wear a nice coat because you can dress comfortably, but you can still look professional in the process. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm very comfortable. I'm just letting you know. I'm very comfortable right now, but yet you still look at me and you think, man, he looks sharp today. I know what you're thinking. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> the one thing that I love about some of the sport coats that, that I buy is, is what's happening on the inside of the coat. 
I, I love the detail because the detail can absolutely just be amazing. But it's also the thing that drives me absolutely insane because I think you should be able to see the craftsmanship and the detail of what's happening inside of my coat. Why put all this work into designing a coat like this with such amazing lining if nobody can see it? You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you are like, I've never wore a sport coat in my life. I have no idea what you're talking about. And so today, I'm going to live life inside out. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. It's nice, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about now. You're like, well, I didn't know what we were missing. Looks good. Don't laugh, because inside out, it's a wiggity, wiggity, wiggity whack. <laughs> Are you really taking a picture of me? <laughs> that will be on social media before the days are, thank you. You think I look foolish. It's all right. The Bible says preaching of the cross is foolishness to the unbeliever. If you think your pastor looks foolish right now, maybe you're not a believer. I'm just saying, let's just move on. Let's just move on. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and try and take me seriously, even though my sleeves are orange. Let me give you a little history of what happens before this passage of Scripture. Israel wanted a king. They wanted to be like other nations. And they wanted a king. And God was their supreme ruler. They had to look to God for, for their law. They had to look to God for their identity. But yet, that wasn't good enough for them, so they wanted a king. And, and so they cry out, we want a king. And God gives them a king. He gives them a king by the name of Saul. And the Bible says, at the end of, of, of chapter 15, the Bible tells us that the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now, there's not a lot of decisions that God makes that he regrets, but that's one of them. The Bible actually says that he regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now, I know that God does not make mistakes. I, I get that. It, it, but it is apparent that people's mistakes can cause God to regret his decisions for their lives. Uh, I mean... We know that just from reading this. He regretted making Saul king, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily his decision. It was Saul's decision not to be a godly leader. That's what made God you know, regret that. And so I just wonder sometimes in our own lives, if we make decisions sometimes and, and God regrets the direction and the path that we're going because of the decisions that we're making. And so God sends the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem to find a new king. He's going to go ahead and, and have a king in waiting. And so he sends him to Jesse's house to, to anoint a new king. And as soon as Jesse's sons enter the house, Samuel the prophet, who is there to select the new king under God's guidance, Samuel sees Jesse's oldest son by the name of Eliab. And he thinks to himself, man, look at him. He's going to make a great king. He's the oldest son. He said, I, you know, I just know this is the right one. This is going to be the right one. And we pick it up right there. 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. It says, when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. 
For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him, him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You see, when those boys came and stood in front of the prophet Samuel, Samuel was studying the outward appearance of Jesse's sons. On first impression, he was impressed with the oldest son, Eliab. But God was very quick to tell Samuel that Eliab is not the one. The Lord said, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In other words, the things that impress men with a first impression are not the things that impress God. You know that, right? We'll get through this a whole lot faster if you'll wake up. The things that impress men are not the same things that impress God. I would even jump out there and I would tell you this, that you may look at some people in this room and because of their social status, you would look at them and think to yourself, man, that person, that their life has to impress God. They have to, to please God with their life. But, but really what God is looking at is not how much money they have. He's not looking at, at how beautiful they are. He, he's not even looking at how successful they are by human standards. God's looking at their heart and he's trying to determine how much faith they have. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so when God looks into our lives and begins to inspect our lives, David said at one time, he said, search me, O God. When God begins to search our lives, he is looking into our lives to find out how much faith we have, how much trust we have in him in every area of our lives. That's what he's looking for. How many times have we seen someone with money and we think to ourselves, man, they're successful. Or, or, or we see someone with a captivating personality and, and all of a sudden we wish that we were them because we're impressed by that. You see, we have the tendency to look at someone's outward appearance and label them as successful and not see what they are really made of. But God looks at what they are made of and determines how they can really be successful by his standards, not man's. That's where we're at today. God is looking at the heart of individuals and he's looking for people that please him and the only way to please God is if we have faith. And so really quickly today, I wanna to give you three thoughts that I wanna share with you about living inside out. First of all is this, when you live inside out, people can see what you are made of. According to this tag on my jacket, which would not be nearly as easy to read if I was wearing this right side in. Is that, is that how you say that? It says that this jacket is 66% polyester, 34% viscose. I have no idea what that is. Uh, I think it's like a fancy word for rayon or something. I don't know. 
but according to this tag, it's 6634. Now, most of you in the room, you know I buy my clothes on a budget because I'm a cheapskate. I really am. Even if it's something nice, I promise you I bought it on sale. I bought this coat on sale. Never do I pay full price. I, I'm just a cheapskate, and, and I know my staff thinks that I'm a cheapskate most of the time anyway. But, but, but if I really wanted a high-quality coat, I would go and buy one that was 100% cashmere. That's what I'd buy because, I mean, that's a nice coat. It's a really nice coat if it's cashmere. I preached this first service, obviously, and in between services, my father-in-law came up to me and showed me that the tag on his coat that he's wearing today is 100% cashmere. <laughs> I also pointed out to him that it was a very large 46 regular coat. So, <laughs> If I wanted a nice coat, I'm buying 100% cashmere. That's what I want. I mean, I want something that is high quality. Let me tell you this, church. The world needs 100% believers. The world needs 100% believers, not 60-40 or 50-50 Christians. That's not what the world needs. We, we don't need someone that's 60% believing and 40% worrying. We don't need someone who's 50% determined and 50% and doubting. Because you see, really, that's not going to do us any good. That's not going to reach the world. The world is used to doubt. The world is used to disappointment. What we need are Christians that are 100% believers that want to display that to the world. That even in the roughest times, in the toughest moments of life, you still have faith and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God is working all things out together for your good. That's what we need. We need 100% believers. Oh, it's true. Trust me, man judges by the outward appearance. You might be thinking, man, the world doesn't need to see how I live out my faith. No, the world does need to see because they judge by the outward appearance. Get used to it. God already told us in his word today that man judges by the outward appearance. But we've got this opportunity to live life inside out. We've got the opportunity to show the world what's happening inside of us and to display it for them to see. On the inside, David, he was, he was full of faith. Young man, but he was full of faith. And God saw that in him. You see, I believe that that, that is directly uh, associated with his praise. You, you see, David wrote many of the Psalms and, and they're, they're worship songs is what they are. And he would get his harp out there while he was tending the sheep and he would begin playing and he would write worship songs. Some of the lyrics that we sing today are, are the words penned by David. And, and I believe that his faith is directly uh, 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 impressed upon him or given to him because of his worship. You see, some of us, we look at people who are a little bit more extravagant with their worship and, and we look at them and we go, man, that's a little strange. That's a little weird. Why, why do they do that? Why do they always raise their hands? Why do they clap? Why, why do they live life like that? Let me tell you something. That person has been given a measure of faith that is astounding is what it is. It's amazing of what God has done in their life and the faith that has been laid upon their life because it is directly related to the amount of worship. Man, I'm telling you, when you begin to praise God, faith begins to rise up inside of you. And that's what was happening in David's life. David was full of faith, and God saw that in him. And what is on the inside, God knows it's eventually going to come out. I told you this last week. If you have angerness, uh, anger, if you have anger inside of you, anger is going to come out of you. If you are bitter on the inside, bitterness is going to come out of you. 
whatever's happening in here is going to come out eventually. And God looked at David's life and he realized this young man has got a lot of faith in me and, and I need to put that on display for the world to see because what is going on inside of him is eventually going to come out of him. He was visiting his, his brothers on the battlefield. The Israelites were in a standoff against the Philistines. And every soldier, every man of Israel was afraid of this big man by the name of Goliath, the, 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 the Philistine warrior. And David was ready to show everyone what he was made of. 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 through 37 says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. I want you to see the cockiness that's happening right now. Verse 36 says, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Let me tell you something, church. It's time that we start walking with a spiritual cockiness in our lives. We've got way too many defeated Christians. The world doesn't want that. You can live that inside out all you want, but I'm telling you, we've got to let faith rise up inside of us and then we've got to start walking with a spiritual cockiness about us. That no matter what the enemy throws at us, we still know that our God is able. That no matter what's coming against us, we still believe that he has the ability to bring us out of it. And even if he doesn't, we know that he still can. It's like the three Hebrew boys standing there. King Nebuchadnezzar, we know that our God is able, but even if he doesn't, and you know, sometimes we just need some believers to stand up and say, I know he can, he might, he might not, but even if he doesn't, I'm still going to serve him. You need some spiritual cockiness in your life. You need some assurance that, that, that when you walk out of the door of your house, you are walking with such confidence that, that you realize that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Ever. Never. It's not going to happen. Even if they kill you, you do know that when you open your eyes, it's on a celestial shore. You do realize that you're in the presence of Jesus to, to, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Even if I lose, I still win. That's the cockiness that we need in our lives as believers. 100% believer. And when you looked at the tag on his life, when you looked at the tag on David's life, you knew, God knew it, that he was, was full of faith and he was willing to walk that out. 1 John 4 and 4 says, For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, some of us wake up every morning and we forget that verse. We're defeated by the time our feet touch the floor as soon as we get out of bed. You've made up your mind that your day is going to stink before you ever take a, the first step. I'm telling you, church, I am getting so fed up with believers, and I use that term very loosely. I, I'm almost starting to think there's a difference between a Christian and a believer. I, I'm getting really fed up with Christians who, who don't believe anymore. And they're just putting it on display for the whole world to see. Why would they want what we have if we're walking around defeated all the time? I'm more than a conqueror. That's what my Bible tells me. I'm more than a conqueror. 
The Bible says that he has plans for me to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. That's why I can wake up every morning and realize that my day is going to be successful. But, well, Pastor, do you have bad moments that happen? Absolutely. But, man, his mercies are new every morning. The next day when I wake up, it's another opportunity for God to bless my life. And I actually wake up believing that he's going to bless my life. We need some believers that will be believers. Show them what you're made of. And I look absolutely ridiculous right now. I rebuke you. When you live inside out, they see the strength of your seams. I had this Boston Celtic t-shirt. It was one of my favorite shirts. It was, you ever had a t-shirt that's just softer than all the others and, and it just, it wears great? And, and it's one that it just never gets wrinkled. I don't know if you just wear it out enough where it won't hold a wrinkle or what, but it was one of my favorite t-shirts, this Boston Celtic t-shirt. And I remember one day I was looking down and you know the hem that goes around the bottom of the shirt? I remember seeing this little string and, and I went to pull it to, to rip off the string. And when I did, it just kept coming. And I was like, this is amazing. You know, how does this keep happening? It's, it's a magic trick, you know? And I'm sitting there pulling this. When all of a sudden I realized I had just unraveled the front seam of my favorite t-shirt and I am not talented enough to fix this. And so this shirt was ruined. I, I watched it unravel right before my eye. I watched it become ruined right in front of me. I'm convinced, listen to me close church, I'm convinced that the world needs to see how we are stitched together. You see, if, if I just show you this, this jacket from the, from the outside, you don't get to see all the details of some of the stitching that is taking place. We need to live life inside out so they can see how we are stitched together. Our children need to see that we are held together with strength, with dignity, and with character. Our spouses need to see that we are seen together with love and forgiveness and faithfulness. David was held together by faith and not fear. He was stitched together with, with faith. When everyone else was fearful, David had courage. And, 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 and there was even this moment when King Saul tried to clothe David with his own personal fear. And we read that in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 38. It says, then Saul clothe David with his armor. You see, you need to watch out because some people will try their best to put their fear on your life. They will try their best to get you into their misery zone. You need to just square your shoulders back and look at some people and say, no, I, I'm not going to believe that. I, I, that's not the report I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. That's not the direction that my life is going. But the Bible says that Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then, then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. When you are knitted together with faith on the inside, it causes you to live with courage on the outside. Let me tell you something about your seams and, and, and who you are and how you are put together. For, for, for some of us in the room, it seems that the end is near. Th that's the seams that you're, you're, you're letting the enemy build your life with. That's, that's how you're letting him knit you together. It seems like your marriage is over. And you're buying into that. It seems like you are broke and that you are always going to be broke. 
And that is what you were letting him sew you together with. But, but when your seams are right, when you have allowed God to, to knit you, when you have allowed God to create you, when your seams are right, I'm telling you right now, it's not what it seems. It may seem like the end, but when your seams are right, when you've allowed him to put what he needs inside of you, when your seams are right, it's not what it seems. He says, behold, I make all things new. It's not the end. It's not the end. Quit letting the enemy seam you together. Let God seam you together. Finally, when you live inside out, others will see who created you. I want you to read this. Who made my jacket? 1926 Originals. 1926 Originals. Go ahead, take notes because some of you want a jacket like this. <laughs> You're wondering who made it. Now you know. And the reason you know that is because I'm wearing it inside out. You can see, if you get close enough to me, you can see who made my jacket. 1926 Original. You watch a red carpet telecast. You, you, you watch it when it goes on air. And they'll ask that celebrity, what are you wearing? It's what they do on the red carpet. It's, I don't know why it's so important, but, but that's what they do. And, and that celebrity will respond with the designer's name. Uh, you know, I'm wearing, I'm wearing Prada. I'm wearing, you know, Oscar de la Renta. I'm wearing Versace. And don't act like you don't show off your name brands because you know you feel more confident when you're wearing your Oakleys, right? You do. Ladies, when you're carrying that new coach purse, you walk with a, a, a little bit more pep in your step. You know that, right? Yeah. Even my son, when he wears his new KDs, there's a little bit more confidence there when he wears those, those new basketball shoes. And Goliath basically looked at David and said, who are you wearing? Not in those words, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he looks at him and basically says, here's my game, what's yours look like? Here's what I'm wearing, I I've got a sword, I've got a shield, you know, I've got a spear, what are, what are you wearing? You, you little kid, what are you wearing? And, and I love how David responds in, in verse 44. He says, it says, the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Listen, he's telling him right now. He's saying, this is what I'm wearing. You think you have me figured out? You have no idea. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. We need some spiritual cockiness is what we need. I, I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. David had the confidence that he needed because he was willing to walk out on that battlefield willing to wear his creator's design. I know this because David wrote in Psalm 139, he said, for you created my inmost being. Listen to how he words this. This is amazing. You 
knit me. This is what he says about God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. In other words, you created my seams. He says, you knit me together in my mother's room. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He goes on to say, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. David knew who his designer and his creator was. And when he walked onto a battlefield, he was displaying it. He was not afraid to say, yes, it does not look good right now, but what you're coming against me with, it's not going to compare to what my God has in store. My God is going to deliver me. Let me tell you, some of you, you need to square your shoulders back. You need to look the devil in the eyes and you need to start declaring some great things for your life. God knows the plans that he has for you. The problem is you don't know the plans he has for you. You need to start knowing that. You need to start realizing that. You need to start walking with a blessed assurance in your life that God is going to bring you out and see you through to the other side. We've got to learn to put God on in our battles. And I know what you're thinking. But, but what if he doesn't come through? But what if he does? What if he does? When you live your life inside out, it shouts to the world, but what if he does? What if he does bring me out of this? What if he does heal my cancer? What if he does restore my marriage? What if he does restore the relationship with my children? What if he does give me a job when it seems like nobody else will give me a job? What if he does? The reason you live in such fear is because you keep declaring it to be your battle. David had it right. The battle's not mine. It's God's. You have nothing to lose. God has everything to lose, but he won't lose. You need to start letting the world see your label. Let them see who designed you and created you. You need to start allowing the world to see what you're made of, how you're put together, and who your creator is. That means we have to walk out of this room and we've got to We've got to live it out there, inside out. You see, right now you're walking with some confidence because you just had the word of God poured into you. And that feeling that you have, the, the, the enemy doesn't like it at all. And he's going to try his best to defeat that. But we're looking for 100% believers. Because 100% believers have faith that God is going to bring them through. God is able. And even if he doesn't, I'll serve him anyway. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Please, nobody looking around. I know that God's word is speaking to some of you. I know that he is challenging you. I know that right now, you sit in your seat and you think to yourself, I've got to start living my life inside out. I can't let circumstances drag me down anymore. I've got to start walking this thing with an assurance if that's you, I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to stand up right where you're at, all over this room. Just begin standing. I want to pray for you today, and I believe God is going to restore your faith. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.